Hi, and welcome to the Jack and the Inn show. We have got a busy, busy episode today because we took some time off. It was spring break last week, and so we did not have an episode. This week, though, there is a ton going on. Um, NFL free agency is happening. Trades are going through. And then, not to mention, the least of which, March Madness, all of you have to fill out your brackets for the office. And then on top of that, uh, baseball starting back up again after a long standoff there of about two months. Finally back, and then we'll wrap up with a little bit of So You Think You Think You Know About Soccer. But starting off, there were some major, major moves in the NFL in the last week or so. Not the least of which was Russell Wilson being traded to the Broncos. The Broncos have needed a quarterback really since Peyton Manning. And so, it, it, I don't know, that, that's interesting to me. Seahawks obviously letting go of a guy that has been a key piece of their franchise for so long. What do you make of all that, Ian? Oh, yeah. Um, this is a huge trade for, for both teams. I mean, you know, for one, you look at the Broncos and you kind of say, you know, this is a team that's had a talented wide receiving core for a couple of seasons, and you just have been trying to find that quarterback as that last piece to the puzzle, right? Um, pretty much ever since Peyton Manning left, just like you said. And so I think this is a great trade for the Broncos. And then on the flip side, when you look at Seattle, this is a sign of, hey, we're going into rebuild mode. Um, they're at a point where, you know, getting rid of Russell Wilson, there's really no reason to, in my opinion, keep hold onto anyone else. You might as well get um, everything you can for the guys you have. So It'll be interesting to see what they do with, with some of the other guys on their team, like your um, DK Metcalf um, players and uh, Tyler Lockett. You know, it, It'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of moves with them. But yeah, this is a blockbuster trade. And, and this trade with, uh, for, for, for uh, Russell Wilson going to the Broncos, I mean, this just made the AFC West so much more competitive. Um, and, and not to mention, the AFC West was already super competitive be, just between... Um, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders already. So it's going to make for some fun times in the AFC West, um, and, and I think we're going to have some great games there. So, Yeah, no, it's certainly a little bit horrifying as now the Seahawks kind of look to start over a little bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the future of their franchise is like. They certainly don't have too many pieces to work with Yeah, um, moving forward. They got some guys, but, man... <laughs> I mean, Drew Locke, I mean, he's not a guy that they're going to plan on keeping around forever, to say the least. Um, you know, I, the only thing, the only highlight I can remember of Drew Locke is that time where he was caught singing Put On on the sideline. He was lip-syncing it perfectly. And that that is his most impressive career highlight thus far in the NFL. So... That's good for Seattle, but um, he's not really that good a quarterback. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see with them if they mm -hmm. try and draft a guy this year. I mean, because they didn't make the playoffs, so they'll have a pretty decent pick. Mm -hmm. And or if they try and move forward and try and trade for one next off season, if they just punt on this whole next year altogether, who really knows? Nobody really. It'll yeah. be interesting though. Obviously, not making the playoffs last year. They probably were not set up in a good spot again yeah. this year because they're in a good division as yeah. well with Arizona and San Francisco and all those teams that are going to make the playoffs. It, it can it gets tough when you're not making the playoffs and you have a guy like Russell Wilson. He's not going to be happy after a while. He's not Damian Lillard. Yeah. He's not willing to sit around forever. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like 
when do you let go? And they let go earlier than I thought they would. Yeah. But I, who knows? Maybe they know something we don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but overall, I mean, this was a blockbuster trade. This this pretty much shook up the NFL for a couple of days. I mean, Broncos are getting an, uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback, um, Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, in my opinion. I mean, Russell Wilson is a nine-time Pro Bowler. He he won a Super Bowl with uh, with the Seahawks. Could have been two Super Bowls, depending on what what other play that they could have called when they were on the two-yard line against the Pats. But um, I mean, you know, he, even last year with with Russell Wilson, I mean, he only played 14 games. He didn't play the full season, um, but he had 25 touchdowns, only threw six interceptions, and I would say that that's pretty impressive coming out of a quarterback who essentially was running for his life the entire game for, for each of those 14 games because Seattle did not have an offensive line. Their running back situation was off and on with Chris Carson having neck injuries or hamstring injuries or ankle injuries. So, I mean, Russell Wilson, it was pretty much just him and Lockett and Metcalf. And so um, I would say that those numbers are, are impressive in itself just based off the fact that their O-line was nowhere to be seen last season. Um, so... The Broncos are getting a fantastic quarterback. It'll be interesting to see um, how they fare, though, in the AFC West, just because it's so competitive. Um, do I think they'll be able to make the playoffs? I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's oh, this they, year. They, they will, I think. I mean, think about it. you got Jerry Judy. you got good defense. Von Miller's probably coming back. Yeah. They're I good. Mean, yeah, they're I, really good. The thing is, I, I think they're a playoff-worthy team, but... When you look at the Chargers now, I guess we can move on to the Chargers. I mean, they've made some big moves over the last week. Um, the most notable name is Khalil Mack. Buffalo legend Khalil Mack. Yeah. Um, Chargers just signed one heck of a pass rusher. Um, Khalil Mack, obviously, back in his days with the Raiders, was a phenom. Went to uh, he, he went to the Bears, um, played fantastic there. Um, obviously, last season, he didn't play much seven games, but he still had six sacks within those seven games that he played last season. Um, but again, this guy's great. Six-time Pro Bowler um, and and former Defensive Player um, of the Year back in 2016. And so Chargers are getting their hands on a great edge rusher, and I don't know how teams are going to stop him, uh, him and Bosa. When I mean, for, for me at least, just thinking about Joey Bosa, um, that's a problem within itself. And now the fact that you're going to have Khalil Mack on one side, then Bosa on the other coming at you. You're you're going to have to really have a strong offensive line to keep those guys away from your quarterback. Yeah. Um, Khalil Mack and Nick Bosa, I mean, talking about what a tandem there. I mean, that's the Shaq and Kobe of defensive edge rushers for real. I mean, those guys will come at you. Both those guys are in kind of primes, per se, of their career. Not necessarily like their best year, but they're, they're not – young enough but like to where they have so much ahead of them but they're also not so young and like old to where they can't do anything they're slowing down they should both still be awesome um i'm looking forward to the chargers next year i think they are already a team that i could easily see winning the super bowl i know they didn't make the playoffs this year but they barely didn't make the playoffs and they're only going to get better because Let's face it, Justin Herbert's only going to get better as a quarterback, and now they just got a ton better on defense, especially now with Jackson yep. at defensive back as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have uh, 
they've gotten a lot better really, really quickly by adding just two guys. It kind of feels like this is kind of what the Rams did last year in terms of buffing up their offense, yeah. but more in terms of the defense of it all. Um, that's pretty impressive. Um, I, I'm, I, I think that they are a team that I could see really, really doing well, like Super Bowl well next yeah. year. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, their their defense has been upgraded to the max with Khalil Mack and obviously J.C. Jackson is going to be joining Derwin James in the uh, Chargers backfield there. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this is huge. Obviously, I, I think J.C. Jackson, I, mean, I, I think this trade, uh, and, sorry, this signing of J.C. Jackson will pay off as long as Derwin James stays healthy. Um, I think the last thing that the Chargers want is J.C. Jackson to have to come in and play that replacement role for Derwin James when he, if he gets hurt again because Derwin James has had issues all all throughout his fairly young career, right. um, you know, and, and staying healthy. So if you can get a healthy season out of Derwin James and J.C. Jackson comes over, who's, who's super young, had a great season with the Pats last year, um, and then alongside Mack and Bosa, I mean, you've got two top, 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 uh, tandems right there, and th- again, Chargers bo- um, are bolstering their team just as the Broncos are, and this AFC West division is going to be absolutely insane, um, and is, it's going to cause problems for the Raiders, but um, it, it's great to see some of these moves happen. Um, it's great to see Khalil Mack come back to the AFC West, and I think it's great to see Russell Wilson go into a new team and seeing what he can do there. So, Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to say the least. Uh I'm not going to lie, I guess moving on I, with Carson Wentz yeah. to the Commanders. I remember seeing that notification, and I forgot the Washington name change. <laughs> so I see the notification pop up. Now, Ian, I don't know if you've wa- seen the commercials for the XFL on TV. No. Um, the, the XFL is going to be, or not the XFL. There's some new spring football. They come around every, like, two, three years. Um, there's a new one. Um, and I, I remember seeing an article about how it is going to – function in a large way, kind of like how the G League does um, for the NFL. And so uh, my initial thought, and they just had their draft, my initial thought was that Carson Wentz was traded to one of those teams. Because it was said Carson Wentz to Commanders. Yeah. That sounds like a fake team yeah. that was just made up like a year yeah. ago. That's in like like San Antonio or something. I yeah. think that was the AF yeah, team, yeah, San Antonio, yeah. San Antonio Commanders. I sincerely thought he got traded to a G League team, basically. I'm not kidding. I it, I didn't know what to think in the moment. I was like, this yeah. is something to dive into. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is like the first, yeah. this is history. Yeah. Carson Wentz just got traded to yeah. a non-NFL team. And I thought that was amazing until I realized that it was actually just the Washington uh, Commanders. Yeah. Formerly the Washington football team. Yep. And then I realized he might as well have been traded to a yeah. G League team because exactly. he's in Washington. Yeah. Uh, and so they're going to suck anyways, just as much, and it doesn't matter. Uh, and it, it, he's he's perfect for them, if I'm being honest, because he sucks and they sucks, and it's a happy marriage. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I certainly mean, a good move for Indy. No, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely, certainly a good move yeah. for them. No, no, it was a great move for the Colts. Um, yeah, I mean th- this is interesting, right? Because I think this is. This very well could be Carson Wentz's last stop in the NFL. Before he is in the G League, basically. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I, I, I think Carson Wentz is a very similar quarterback to 
Okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to compare Carson Wentz and Tyler Heineke, but mm. in in the in in the sense of that they can stick in the pocket, but also be a bit mobile and run a little bit. This offense suits Carson Wentz. Um, you know, when when he was with the Colts, it was a very different offense for him. I mean. You know, he's. I, I wouldn't call Carson Wentz a pocket quarterback, especially after the Colts just um, came off of uh, Phillip Rivers. Right. So that was a big change. But I, I think this is a good fit for Carson Wentz. Um, but to me, if to me Carson Wentz has this season to prove why he should be in the NFL, and if he doesn't, then he's gone. Um, I think he can do well. It's just Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. He is inaccurate. He sometimes make some pretty rash decisions. Um, and Can you imagine how good the Colts would have been if he won their quarterback last yeah. year? Oh, my gosh. Exactly. <laughs> it would have been so much better. Man, it is time, like you said, kind of time for him to prove something here. Yeah. Uh, if he feels like sticking around. I mean, this is a guy that at one point or another was in conversation for being MVP of the NFL. Yeah. Which is kind of ridiculous to think about now. Yeah. Um, and then the Colts, didn't they get three or two third-rounders out of this? I think so, yeah. Which is unbelievable return. Yeah. Third-rounders to me, because I, I follow the NF, NBA probably more than I do the NFL, so I think in terms of, like, first-round draft pick is really mm-hmm. what you want, like, seconds and, and then, yeah. like, anything. Like, those are really the only two. So, like, third, fourth, yeah. like, who needs that? So, like, but in reality, I mean, you can get some really quality players in the third round. Yep. So that's why I really liked it, just in terms of a return standpoint yep. for Indianapolis, getting the guy that's not that's pretty washed, even though he's I think twenty like two probably it mm-hmm. feels like yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit. He's probably more like uh, I'm gonna say twenty six, twenty nine. What? When was his first year in the NFL? Same year as Jared Goff, so that was twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Let's see. Oh, 2016. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, 2016, yeah. So he's been in the wow. league for six years. Yeah. So he came in when he was 23, so he was a little bit older. Yeah, 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 he was. He that, was. Okay, that, yeah. But, yeah. okay, so he's actually very well into his career. Mm-hmm. He's not a guy that's really going to develop. I mean, this is pretty much what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, Man, you kind of hate to see it with him. Uh, another guy kind of like that, Mitch Trubisky, went to the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, the battle between him and Mason Rudolph, one of the saddest quarterback battles in recent memory, <laughs> will take place this offseason as Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph battle it out to win five games on the Steelers next year. Yep. It's going to be a real exciting one. Very. I, I will say, this feels like a pretty lateral move from last year, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. No, it does. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, to be honest, I I was thinking about Trubisky, and I'm like, I don't know where, what, what team suits him. And honestly, until I saw the trade, it never even actually came into my mind that, oh, you know what, Trubisky could go to the Steelers. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean... They need a quarterback. Yeah, they, they need a quarterback. Mason I, I, Rudolph can't do it. Yeah, I don't no. trust him with anything. Mason Rudolph is not good. They need a quarterback. It, it didn't really occur to me, to, to be completely honest, that Ben Roethlisberger would, retired. Um, I feel like he should have retired a long time ago, so now <laughs> that he actually announced it, I'm, I'm not even really surprised. And so I always felt like that Steelers quarterback job was already taken up. But, I mean, this fits, right? Trubisky's, Trubisky is going to be... That same type of pocket quarterback, um, and and also, I mean, I'm I'm happy for Trubisky. I think, I think he was kind of hard done by by the Bears and Matt Nagy. Um, I think you know 
they kind of need to give him another chance. Um, sorry, that he needs another chance in the NFL. Obviously, he was with the Bills um, last year, and he came back a couple times, or came in a couple times, and he actually played all right, you know. Um, so I, I think this is a good move for both team for for both the Steelers and uh, Mitchell Trubisky, and I, I really wish him all the best. I mean, I, I feel like this guy's been a bit of a waste of talent. Um, mm. um, I do too. I mean, looking back at his career with the Bears, it, at the time it didn't seem good, but now it seems yeah. like the problem was more Matt Nagy than yeah. Trubisky at all. Exactly. So, I mean, we'll see this year. It'll give him a good chance to prove how good he is. Now, a guy that does not need to prove how good he is is Tom Brady, and yep. he is back in the NFL. And that was insane. I kind of forgot that that was a thing. Um, I mean, I knew he was done, but like I forgot the discussion of will he come back or not. Yeah. Like, it felt like right when that popped out of my mind, like, that's when he was, like, yeah. back. Um, I don't know if you saw the stuff with Ronaldo or whatever. I did. Oh, where yeah. he told him, like, yeah, one more year. Yeah. Like, uh, where people kind of got a little bit of a video of that from the night before yeah. uh, that was announced. Uh, video, if, if you have not seen it, was... A, 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 Tom Brady went to the game, basically. Yeah, yeah, He went yeah. to a soccer game. Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo... Probably I don't know how I just butchered that name or whatever. Oh my gosh, um, sweat soccer segment is not mine. Um, Ronaldo and Tom Brady had a conversation. It was videoed. Tom Brady can roughly be heard saying, "Eh, one more year." And Ronaldo's like, yeah. "Oh, you're retired, right?" And he's like, "Maybe." Yeah. And he then, saw that look on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next year, he was back, or, or the next day, he was back. Yeah. So. It, that kind of was very surprising. It makes the Buccaneers a threat again when they were not. Yep. Pitts was probably going to be their quarterback, which I like Kyle Pitts. He was great at Florida. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he had years under Tom Brady. I'm sure he learned some stuff. But, yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's pretty irreplaceable, so yeah. they'll be good again. Yeah. Did you see this coming at all, or was this that surprising to you as well? I mean... Also the fact that he went back to Tampa and didn't go to a new yeah, team. That was the main that, thing. I, I think that's what surprised me the most. Um that's what surprised me the most. I thought, okay, if Brady comes back, I don't think he's going to go back to Tampa. I thought maybe something with I don't know, Niners, go back to the Bay Area where he's from, something like that. Um, but I, I didn't think he'd go back to the Bucks. But obviously, they, they were talking this entire time. I mean, it's not like Tom Brady woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to go back. Mm-hmm. I think... You know, I mean, it, it's, it seems like they, they've been conversing about this between Bruce Arians, the owners, and Brady. And so, I mean, obviously, I, I think it's a great move for the Bucks. They needed that. I mean, the fact that they nearly went from Tom Brady to Blaine Gabbert as their starting quarterback or possibly trading for another quarterback would have been terrible for them in right. terms of the type of players that they have, you know, the defense that they have, the offensive firepower that they have so no I think this is great um and again though I I can't say I didn't expect Tom Brady to to come out of retirement but I guess going back to the Bucks was the surprise mm. yeah. I thought a team would try to go bring him out of retirement but bring him to their team as opposed right. to just going back so Th- that's what I thought I think too Anyway, uh, now we are in the most exciting part of the basketball season, for college basketball, that is. It's March, which is when people start caring about college basketball because now it matters. Um, I watched a ton of college basketball this past week due to the conference tournaments, just all of them in general. I think they're insanely entertaining, teams fighting for an automatic bid if you win the the conference tournament. 
And now it is about time for March Madness starting later this week, and that will carry on for the next three weeks, so we will continue our discussion for that. But going into it, I thought I'd give some tips to look out for as you're looking to fill out your bracket coming up. I kind of got three tips. Two of them kind of go together. Um, the first of which is you want a team that has a top 40 offense. Um, and Kim Palm, all champions since 1997, have had two things. My first key and the second key. The first key is a top 40 offense. Now, the offense matters less than defense does. Top 40 is pretty broad. That means you're solid. You don't have to be elite um, offensively. Um, you got to get buckets. I believe in teams that can shoot the three well and space you out when it comes to March Madness because once you, you see it all the time with teams that can just barrage you at threes. This is why a lot of people like South, teams like South Dakota State because they are a 45% three-point shooting team. They've played no one all year. They're a 13 seed, but they're the best three-point shooting team in the country. And so any game they play, they will have a chance because they can shoot the lights out. And so when you have teams like that that are that efficient, it's hard to pick against them. So look for teams that I think particularly shoot really well, have a good solid offense in general, again, a top 40 offense. Um, and that is the first key. The second is a top 25 defense. I think defense matters far more, being able to shut down another team's best player. I think that is what is most important in terms of winning games. You need to have a top 25 offense. Again, all champions of this tournament in March Madness since 1997 have had a top 40 offense and a top 25 defense during the season, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you want a team that's well-balanced. There are plenty of teams out there like Purdue that are like a top three offense but are a mediocre defense. Sure. They don't have that top 25 defense. Yeah. They might be like 50 or so. And so they're tempting to go with because they got guys like Jaden Ivey that you love that are fun, mm -hmm. but they don't have the defense to back it up. Certainly they'll win games, but they're probably not going to be a champion. Yeah. Um, and so that is something else to keep in mind. Now there are teams that do meet this criteria for this year. Top 40 offense, top 25 defense. I would have these teams going far with a few exceptions, and I'll say those. Arizona, number one. Auburn, number two. Duke, Baylor, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, Michigan State, Villanova, Texas, UCLA, UConn, and USC. All those teams have a top 40 offense, top 25 defense, and so I would bet my money on one of those to win it. It's a pretty tried and true thing, 1997. That's 25 years of saying one of these teams will win it. That said, it is interesting to me. One one seed did not meet the list, and that is Kansas. Mm -hmm. This is a team that we've been relatively familiar with throughout yep. the season. We've watched them play. Three games in nine days. Yes. Yep. They are a great offense. They're, I think, sixth in the country <coughs> in terms of offensive, offensive efficiency. Defense, though, they're 29th. They barely missed the 25 mark, which close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, so they're not on this list. Now, they're still a good team who probably will make a decent run, but I don't think they're going to be a champion because I believe I like, yeah. I'm like i sticking to the list. Yeah. Um, besides that Texas uh, team that is on this list, they're a great defensive team, but they're, they barely make it on this sure. top 40 offense. Yeah. Barely. And on top of that, they're playing Virginia Tech. 
Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Who won the ACC tournament, who otherwise would not have made it. They have been the hot hand recently. Okay. And there is one thing that I love in March Madness, and it is the hot hand. They normally do extraordinarily well. I think about the Auburn team that made a Final Four run in 2019. It was because they won their conference championship and won like their last like 12 games of the season or something, and they were mediocre before then. But they went on this massive run at the end of the year and ended up making it to the Final Four. So that's something else to look for. Now, besides that, looking at these teams, um, a lot of them are good. A lot of them are teams people have going far, which gives me my third criteria point, which is a star player that you can go to when it matters. Now, I think this matters almost more than these other two things do, and this is why I think defense is so important, is because guard, particularly if you have a guard you can go to because they have the ball in their hands, if you have a guy like that, like Kimball Walker was for UConn when they won a national yeah. title, or like when Carson Edwards was for Purdue when they made an amazing Elite Eight run when he had like back-to-back-to-back 40-point games. Like, you have a guy like that on your team, and they will carry you far. Bottom line, you have an elite guard, and you will go far. And so that is something that I look for, and it's something a lot of teams have. So you kind of got to figure out who is good and who will be the elite Kimball Walker that can really carry a team far in this tournament to an Elite Eight or a Final Four. And that is something to watch out for as well. That said, uh, there are a couple matchups early on, I think, to look forward to. Um, The first of which, I would say, we got to talk about TCU, Seton Hall. Because we obviously have particular interest in that game. From what I've seen, it's a toss-up. I think Seton Hall has a little bit of an edge. They have the best player in the game. They have a guard um, who's really good. Seton Hall as a team would be a lot better this year, but their best player got hurt, I think, in January, and he hadn't played since. Um, So they're a team that has had to adjust due to injuries this year. Um, but besides that, they seem pretty even. Both teams have a big man that they go to. They kind of have their Eddie Lampkin type yep. of guy. He's a seven. He's taller than Eddie. He's yeah. seven three. Um, but honestly, it's a pretty much a coin coin flip game. Yeah. Which leads me to say, I don't think it matters who wins mm-hmm. because the winner will play Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, exactly. Really, it's just trivial to even talk mm-hmm. about this. Like, obviously, yeah. I want TCU to win. Yeah. But really making round of 32 is it's impressive but it's not like they're going to make some sweet 16 elite eight run um i mean i hope they beat arizona they're not but it'd be it's march madness you never know yeah you never know um other games that are fun the south dakota state providence game i mentioned south dakota earlier as being a team that's really good uh, LSU-Iowa State. Iowa State's a team we've seen a lot of. TCU's actually played both Iowa State and LSU. Yeah. We've gotten to watch both of those teams. Although LSU, their coach just got fired. Um, basically, he, he was cheating. Um, and he was paying players. Shocker. Um, pretty much. And so Will Wade's gone. And so it'll be interesting to see if this is a rallying thing for them or this is a rollover and die yeah. type of thing. Iowa State has been... So ice cold recently um, in terms of scoring. That will be one that is in the mud, so it won't be fun to watch. It'll just be interesting to see how LSU responds, really. Um, And then Murray State-San Francisco will be interesting. Murray State's a team that's really fun. Um, They got a lot of 
a lot of veterans on that team, and then San Francisco's been good. They're another team that can fill it up, can score a lot. Um, it will be interesting, um, to say the least. Now, it'll be fun to go back a week from now and then look at a bunch of these games and say I was wrong. I filled out my bracket. I think I'm pretty much set in stone on a lot of these. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong on TCU about Arizona, um, all that type of stuff. But for the most part, and this is the craziest thing about this March Madness, I was listening to, I forget what it is, it's like Jay ba- uh, Bayless, I'll look it up, I was just listening to it. Oh, uh, Bald Men on Campus, it's a college basketball podcast that ESPN does, I was listening to that, they broke down each region, and they said this is the first year they can remember in more than a decade probably, where they don't have a strong feeling about like two or three teams, like they're definitely going for Yeah. There's no definites in this tournament, sure. which is what makes it insane. There are a lot of very good teams, but there's no team that is really jumps out at you. Really like Baylor and Gonzaga did yeah. last year, the two teams that made it all the way. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Have you made a bracket yet, Ian? I have not. So, the thing is that I made half of my bracket, and that was about two nights ago, and I was just super tired, and I said, you know what, I'll just do this before... It starts. Yeah, you got and time. I, I I still haven't done it yet. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I know um, what what picks I'm gonna make. I I I almost went through the entire darn thing. Um, but I I was too tired to actually finish it to be completely uh, to be completely honest. But I mean, it it sounds like March Madness this year is gonna be extremely exciting as it is every year. But just like Jack was saying, you know, the fact that there's not a couple of those teams that are really locks for going mm. deep into this tournament i think it just makes it that much more enticing and um exciting to to see what could happen right yeah um i mean you know in terms of tcu right we would love for tcu to go far but the the, the matter of the fact is that even if you beat seton hall you're playing arizona yeah and that's going to be tough obviously we would love to see our tcu guys go go far um um they should be proud of getting into march madness to begin with, they had some pretty big statement wins during the Big 12 season, at, at the back end of the Big 12 season. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just overall, though, it seems like uh, March Madness this year is going to be quite exciting. So Yeah, no, I think so as well. Now, I've filled mine out, so I might as well just say yeah. my final four here. Uh, that way, I hope I'm right about this. Yeah. Um, right now, and this subject to change before Thursday, I've already changed it like 50 billion times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I've changed it a lot. Um, right now, I have Gonzaga, Purdue, Villanova, and Auburn in the Final Four. I have Gonzaga and Auburn in the championship game. I think I have Auburn winning. I might be a homer there, but I feel like they got the kick in the pants that yeah. they need Losing to Texas A&M uh, in the SEC tournament, they're a lot better team than they showed in that. They're a team that will have the best player on almost any game they play with Jabari Smith. They have elite guard play. They can shoot threes. They play free. They play fast. They play good defense. They're a team that is armed, that checks the boxes of top 40 offense, top 25 defense. Yep. I believe in that team, and then I have them uh, beating Gonzaga in the championship. So they're another team, honestly, that yeah. is that was on that list. Purdue is my one Final Four team that was not um, not top 40, top 25. But like I said, they're like the third best offensive team in yeah, the country. Yeah. Um, and they got guys like Jaden Ivey who can absolutely kill you as individual players as well. So sure. I could see them doing well because they'll be, they'll be hard to stop defensively. Yeah. Um, but that's what I have for the 
elite, uh, not elite eight, for March Madness um, in general. Um, it should be fun to watch. We'll come back next week and talk about it some more, yeah, I am sure. Definitely. But for now, it's time to move on to some baseball. Yeah. We can finally say it. Exactly. After months of waiting for just stupid stuff to happen. Finally, transactions can occur in uh, what has happened so far. Yeah, so as everyone knows, um, or hopefully as as most people know, last week the MLBPA, the Players Association, and the MLB owners um, finally agreed on a new CBA agreement, which means that the lockout, the 99-day lockout of the MLB came to an end and transactions in spring training could officially begin. Um, What's funny is that this lockout of 99 days lasted longer than Tom Brady's retirement of 40 days. Um, And just for a couple things to be changed. Um, I'm just going to quickly run through some of the biggest um, headlines of the CBA agreement. Um, One of the changes is that there is now going to be a 12-team postseason. This is something that the MLB owners have been pushing for um, for quite a while, which is an expanded postseason. Um, with 12 teams now instead of 10, um, it just makes it easier for teams to get into the playoffs. And this is really, um, I, I guess you could say, it's really a move for the business side of baseball as opposed to the game. Because um, when teams get into the postseason, um, it's actually the owners that make the majority of the money as opposed to the players. The players right. only get a fraction and so, obviously, if you add two more spots, um, two more postseason spots, the owners are going to want that because if you get it, if you get your team into the postseason, then you will have for sure made profit. And so, well, it's like the NFL why yeah, they did it exactly exact same reason yeah. why they went from six to seven more exactly. games, more revenue. Totally. So that's one new thing. Um, there's a new um, part of the CBA where the players and the owners announced that there needs to be a 45-day window before the MLB can actually make official rule changes. So these are things like um, a pitch clock, um, a ban on shifts, defensive shifts, and also having larger bases, which are all going to come in 2023. Um, But this is essentially just there so that the MLB can't come up with rules mid-season like they did last year. in terms of having any substances on your hands when pitching. Um, And basically it's saying that there needs to be a 45-day window um, between when the MLB says that they're going to implement it and when it is implemented. Because as as every baseball fan knows, last season when there was that issue with um, Trevor Bauer and... um, Or sorry, not Trevor Bauer, but but there, there were a couple guys I had issues with foreign substances on their hands and the MLB said you can't have any sort of substance at all um that really shook things up and players got injured out of that and so this is great for the game because um it takes it 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 takes some of the rule changing slightly out of the hands of the MLB just to do whatever they want you know um and it allows teams and players to actually get used to these new rule changes and not like okay mid mid series between the A's and the Rangers all right, guys, we can't have any uh, substances on our hands. We can't use sunscreen and sweat to create a bit of a stickiness to, to have a higher spin rate on the ball, things like that. Holy um, cow. Uh, there's also a universal DH. This obviously was um, already um, th- this was already agreed upon much earlier, but the universal DH, that just adds to the offensive style of baseball. It's taking away, in my opinion, from 
the true game of having pitchers hit and the art of hitting. Um, and it's just making the game so much more offensive. Um, then, then lastly, there, there's a couple of things. There's a draft lottery of six teams that's going to be implemented. This is um, in hopes of discouraging tanking. Um, next, there's going to be a limited times, um, a limited number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues in one season. And lastly, draft pick inducements um, are going to be there to discourage service time manipulation. Um, those are some of the biggest headlines in terms of that new CBA agreement um, that was decided upon about a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, and again, since that agreement's gone into place, there have been moves all over the place throughout the MLB. Um, the stove has been hot. And so I'm going to run you guys just through a couple of teams that have made some uh, moves, some pretty big moves. Um, and so first off, I do want to start out with the Seattle Mariners. The, the uh, Seattle Mariners are a team that last season were started off really slow, but they were a back end half of the, they're a back end season team. Um, they really started to play great baseball towards that end of the season. They came in second in the AL West um, behind the Astros and above the Oakland Athletics. Um, and the, this, the Seattle Mariners are a team that are really on the up. And um, recently, um, I think this was just yesterday or last night, um, Monday night, but um, they, they just acquired two All-Stars from the Cincinnati Reds, outfielder Jesse Winkler and third baseman or infielder Eugenio Suarez. Um, this was a great move for Seattle. They gave up um, prospects pretty much. They gave up a right-handed pitcher in Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, Brandon Williamson, and they're going to name another player um, later. But this is a great move for the Mariners. The Mariners are an exciting team to watch. They are their team is changing quite a bit. It and it has changed over the last two seasons um, in a pretty big way. And so they're a very exciting team to watch. Um, the Seattle Mariners and other teams in the AFC West, just like the Rangers, just like the Angels and the Astros, everybody but the Oakland A's are exciting to watch in that um, in that division. So this was a great um, um, acquisition by the Mariners, and I think it's in the best interest of the, the Reds to kind of make this uh, trade because there's a time when you kind of have to get rid of these two guys, Eugenio uh, Suarez and Jesse Winkler, and honestly, just like... Um, just like how we talked about earlier in, in the NFL, um, how it was a sign for the Seahawks that they're going to rebuild, this is a sign for the Reds that they're going to rebuild as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, they're tearing it down completely and building from the ground up. So that was a big transaction that I wanted to talk about. Um, another transaction that I wanted to talk about is in regards to the New York Yankees and the Minnesota Twins. Um, this was... Uh, a transaction that I don't think many people expected to be quite honest with you. Um, basically, um, New York received Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, infielder from Minnesota, who actually the day before was traded to Minnesota by the Texas Rangers. So he's he thought he was going to be with the Rangers, then he thought he was going to be with the, with the Twins, and now he's going to actually find his home in New York. Um, but New York got Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They got... Uh, Josh Donaldson, and then they got a young catcher as well. Um, and on the flip side, Minnesota acquired Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez. And I, I think these are good moves for New York. I mean, I wouldn't say it's anything huge because, I mean, Gary Sanchez was a big thing a couple years ago, but he's clearly shown that he's got some work to do offensively. 
Um, but I, I think this is a good move. You know, you're getting a solid third baseman in Josh Thompson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's, I mean, th this may not be a comp, it, 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 it may not be a compliment to him, but being a utility player is great. Having someone that you can play in multiple positions should people get injured is fantastic. That means you're going to be needed heavily by whichever team you're going to be going to. So I think that was a really interesting uh, trade that happened. Again, an unexpected trade, to say the least. Um, and then lastly, um, I wanted to, to uh, talk about the Oakland Athletics. Um, just like the Cincinnati Reds, the A's are in a complete and utter rebuild. Um, even more than the Cincinnati Reds. Um, the A's, this is their same recycled process that they go through every couple of seasons when players' contracts start to end and their owner doesn't want to reach into his pockets and actually pay these guys. So what they do instead is, is that they get rid of some of these big all-star players and in return they want prospects. So um, in terms of everything that's happened, I'm just going to run you guys through what the A's who the A's have gotten rid of. So they got rid of Mark Canna because he was a free agent. Um, he and Starling Marte were both free agents. They both went to the Mets. Chris Bassett was just um, signed by the Mets. Um, uh, Matt Olson, the A's got rid of Matt Olson, all-star and gold glove first baseman. He signed um, a deal with the Braves. Um, we got rid of Jake Diekman and Josh Harrison. And pretty soon... Um, it, well, it should be expected that the A's are going to also get rid of Matt Chapman, who's a, who's a gold glove third baseman, along with Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas, two starting pitchers for the athletics there. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a complete rebuild. This is a time where the A's are not going to offer up big contracts. I mean, the A's have never been a team to really offer big contracts to any, any players, um, really nothing more than three, four years at the max. And really the, the the biggest transaction that's come out over the last uh day was the Matt Olson to um to the Atlanta Braves um obviously for me as an A's fan I was extremely sad yesterday I was I was depressed as depressed could get yesterday mm -hmm. after seeing Matt Olson got traded I mean y'all have like the second lowest payroll in the league for a reason Yeah yeah no exactly I mean so yeah we 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 got rid of Olson we got an absolute haul, though, for Olsen. We got the Braves' first, second, sixth, and 14th ranked prospects, which is huge. Don't get me wrong. That is amazing. But, and this is a big but, those four prospects are coming to a team that like to elevate these prospects' games, get them into the majors, get them to be solid players, and then when their contracts run out, instead of paying them because they did so well and 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 the fact that they want to keep them, no, they they say, you know what, we can't afford to keep you, and so we're going to ship you off. And Matt Olson was just like one of these prospects back in 2017. So approximately four, five, six years from now, I expect each of these guys to be gone and well on their way to playing for different teams, if I'm being completely honest. Um, again, don't get me wrong, this is a huge haul, and the A's can get something back, but knowing the A's ownership, knowing that the A's have an old, terrible, deteriorated stadium. No one's going to want to come and play there. Um, and so pretty much until the A's get a new stadium or the or, or the organization is handed off to a new set of owners, you know, this, this trade, in my opinion, means nothing. Because at the end of the day, 
these are prospects who have potential and are all one injury away from being nothing. So, All right, we have a little bit of news. Um, otherwise, I just saw this actually yeah. very crazy. Um, so, so far in the Brooklyn-Orlando game, it, it's currently halftime. Wendell Carter Jr. has a whole 15, 16 points. But to match him on the other side for the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving has 41 at halftime. Um, which is impressive, meaning he is on pace right now to break 80 in a game. I would expect him to at least break 60, um, assuming he can score 19 and a half against Orlando. I think anybody should be able to do that. Orlando's not good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just wild. Uh, we yeah. can keep going through like normal. I just want I, no, that, no, yeah, that yeah. needed no, to be addressed. No, totally. Um, because I saw that pop up in my phone. I was like, he had, I yeah. thought 41 in a game was what it was. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Halftime. It was only I was half. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's like career highs for totally. good players. Yeah. No, that's, no. Then he did it in uh, 24 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that I won how, how many minutes has he played in the game? That's the whole half. Let me see how many minutes he's, he's played in the game. He's played 23. So He basically played the whole played, half yeah. then. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we on the soccer or are we still yeah. on baseball? No, no. That, that was the last of it. Just the fact that the, the A's in the um, Atlanta Braves just made Good. That, I time my injection well. All right. Um... <laughs> All right, in that case, moving on now yep. to So You Think You Think You Know About Soccer. It's been a minute since we've done yeah. this segment. I'm sure there's been some stuff that has happened. We mentioned the Ronaldo stuff uh, yep. a little bit earlier. He yep. had a hat trick in that game, too, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he did. Um, but anyway, what, what's been happening in the world of soccer? It's been too long. I need to catch yeah, up. Yeah, no, so there, there's been some pretty big issues going on in soccer, some, some pretty big headlines, um, first of which regards... Chelsea and their owner, Roman Abramovich. Roman Abramovich has been Chelsea's owner for quite a while. Um, I think he's been their owner for the last at, at least 10 years. Um, and Roman Abramovich is Russian. So with all the sanctions going around the world due to the high tensions between Russia and Ukraine, um, Roman Abramovich was sanctioned by the UK government. And now, just as, as recent as today, by the European European Union, um, he now has to give up control of Chelsea to the UK government. So right now, Chelsea's in a bit of a limbo in terms of who their owners are going to be. Um, there's many bidders, but people are going to have to be bidding maybe $3.54 billion for this team. Um, there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot. I might get team. in on that, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Will you? I might. You'll, you'll reach deep, deep, deep in your pocket. Yeah, yeah, I can go to the bank, get a nice loan. <laughs> yeah, go so. Go Chelsea. Yeah, but, but Chelsea um, is on the trade block. It sounds weird to say that a team is on, I guess not the trade block, but um, they're looking for new owners. And right now, because Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned by the UK government and the European Union, um, there have been some things that have happened with Chelsea as a result of this. So a couple of things that have that, that have taken place as a result of the sanctions include the fact that ticket sales to future home and away games, sorry, to, to future home and away fans are now prohibited for the rest of the season. Um, season tickets are still valid. So fans that have season tickets are still able to go. No merchandise sales are allowed. No transfers like trades are not allowed and no contract renewals are allowed which means you can't re-sign players either so this is huge because right now roman abramovich has a ton of money in chelsea 
and a touch of potential money in Chelsea that is currently frozen because of the sanctions. So now he's having trouble giving up the team to the UK government who who essentially would then just hand it off to a new owner once Chelsea figure out who that is. But right now, Chelsea has found themselves in quite the pickle. Um, in terms of no contract renewals, this is pretty big because Chelsea have three center backs who are looking like they're going to leave. Um, Antonio Rudiger looks like he's going to leave. Um, he could go into La Liga. He might go to Real Madrid, Barcelona. Maybe, I, mean, I don't know where else he could go, but maybe... I mean, I, I think La Liga fits him the best. Cesar Piliqueta, another center back for Chelsea, could leave as well. And then Andres Christensen, a third center back for Chelsea, um, could leave. So these are just a couple of the players that are among many others whose contracts are non-renewable while Roman Abramovich owns Chelsea. Um, so this is huge. Um, obviously, no one likes to see that a team has to go through this, but what's going on in the world um, between Ukraine and Russia is is of much more importance than owning a soccer franchise. And if this means that you know, Roman Abramovich will take his hands off of Chelsea, then then so be it. But, I mean, ultimately, Roman Abramovich has been Chelsea's best owner ever. He has, he's, he's a great owner, not just in terms of the business side of things, but also in terms of the game. He is someone that understands the game and understands what an owner needs to do. It's not just a simple businessman going into a sport he hasn't he doesn't know anything about and trying to do things. So um it's sad to see because he's built this football club um and he has to give it up. Um other news in soccer, uh the Champions League has been going on over the last two weeks. Um last week PSG was knocked out of the Champions League um to Real Madrid PSG originally had a one-goal um, lead in aggregate, but when they went back to Spain and played the second leg, um, Karim Benzema for Real Madrid led the comeback. He had a hat-trick in the second half, and he helped Madrid win 3-2 over PSG. And so this, this was a huge, this was a huge um, uh, leg. I mean, PSG seem like they were one of the favorites to win, obviously with Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe leading up, uh, leading them in the front. Um, but this is also interesting because Kylian Mbappe is looking to leave PSG in the summer, and the number one team that he's interested in is Real Madrid, who he was just beat by. So this is really interesting because now Madrid are in an interesting spot because they need to bring in players. Karim Benzema, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's 36, either 34 or 36. And Luka Modric is pretty old as well. He's 36 or 37. So as Real Madrid is getting older, the ownership needs to figure out who they want to bring in and who they need to get rid of. Right. And so I think this would be a great scenario for Madrid to go after Kylian Mbappe and have that French connection between him and Benzema up top. Or they can decide and go with a new midfield where they could bring in someone like a Paul Pogba. Um, no, I'm a big Mbappe guy. Yeah. Go after him. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think the Mbappe move is much better. Um, Pogba, you know, I think I think all Pogba does is he, he brings issues to your team. He's a great player, great potential, but he's too focused off the field than he is on the field. So, again, it should be extremely interesting to see what um, Real Madrid and PSG do in this uh, summer transfer window, um, 
But that's all that there is to say with that. Um, today, big news um, between Manchester United and Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Um, they were tied 1-1 on aggregate going into the second leg, which was played in Manchester. And many people were expecting Ronaldo to be on top of his game and to have, again, one of his trademark games against Atletico Madrid. But Manchester United just just couldn't get it done. They they gave up a goal to, I think, Renan Lodi um, uh, towards the end of the first half or around the 40th or 41st minute. It was a really nice cross from Antoine Griezmann into Renan Lodi. Um, but yeah, man, you couldn't get the job done. And, and this is, I think this is a, a, a sign of the times. I mean, Manchester United have been on the downfall for quite a while, ever since 2013 when we uh, lost Sir Alex Ferguson as a manager. Man U's been searching for a new guy, and I think a lot of people, including myself, I said on the podcast a couple months ago, but I thought Ralph Regnick would, was, was going to be the answer for us, but he clearly isn't. Um, obviously, he's going to stay around with Man U, but he's not going to be our head coach. I don't think he should be our head coach uh, moving forward, but he's going to stay on the board. But this is just a sign of the times. I mean, it's interesting because PSG was knocked out and Man United, which means two of the best players in the world for the last two decades, essentially, are now no longer in the in the world's most coveted um, soccer competition, which is the Champions League. Messi's not there and Ronaldo's not there. And this is something that we haven't seen for a while. Obviously, last year, they were both knocked out, but it's just... It's it's unimaginable and it's it's just again a sign of the times that look these guys' career careers are coming to an end and you know as sad as that is that's just kind of how things roll you know and and obviously there's new players like your Kylian Mbappe's like your Vinicius Juniors that are coming up and hopefully are going to step into those shoes and fill those shoes for soccer fans all around the world um, right but but that was it for Champions League and then one last thing we're not going to talk much about this at all but. Erling Holland from Borussia Dortmund has tentatively agreed on a deal that would send him to Manchester City um, this summer. Um, and so this could be a huge transfer for Manchester City. This has been the position that Man City have needed to upgrade in for the last, in my opinion, three seasons. And if they bring Erling Holland in, I think Manchester City could win many, many, many more Premier League titles and possibly even win the Champions League next season. So this is huge because early Holland, I say, I would say, is right up there. He's tied with Kylian Mbappe for the next top striker in the world. So there's a lot of things going on in soccer, a lot of movement um, in the world of sports. Just like, you know, football, there's been transactions. Baseball, there's been transactions. And so has there been transactions in soccer as well. So... I think that's it, though, Jack. Yeah, that's, that's all we got for yeah. today. Today was, uh, it, today was uh, I, I had to be honest. Day. It was a heavy day. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Again, a lot of transactions. That's probably the twentieth time I've said that word today. Um, but that's going to be it for us today. Thank you guys so much for coming and uh, joining us for tonight's episode. We really appreciate your guys' support. Make sure to click down below and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at the Jack and Ian Show. For more updates and content. Um, until next time, that's gonna be it. Thank you. I'll see you guys later.